you are listening to the V-City Podcast. Our guest today is one of my subscribers from YouTube who reached out to me to be a part of this. I learned he is a skilled software developer and he speaks French. We spoke on the phone and discussed how we both got to Canada and into tech. He has been watching my YouTube channel for years and I knew he spoke French from his accent. So we spoke French for almost the rest of the call. His French is far better than mine though. Stick around and you will learn so much on this episode. We talk about how to get started in tech. He explains Docker in a very simple manner. We talk about Jenkins using chocolates and how emerging technologies are changing our world. Jason gives us some good life advice at the end. So let's get into it. All right. So welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode on V-City. Today, we'll be talking with uh, a friend of mine, Jason, and we'll be discussing a lot about how he got to where he is uh, in the infrastructure and technology industry. There's going to be a lot of knowledge and wisdom that we're going to drop here. So pay attention because you might learn one or two things on how to get into the industry, how to stay there and how to succeed and prosper there. So without further ado, I want to welcome my guest today, a very intelligent young man who has made it far in his life. And um, I'm definitely looking forward to this conversation because I know I'm going to learn a lot from you. Who is Jason? You know, regarding technology and all of this, who are you? So Jason is a software engineer, talking <laughs> third person here. So Jason is a software engineer. Uh, I currently work at a crown company. So it's basically a company under Government Canada. And I uh, primarily focus on infrastructure software engineering. So this basically means that uh, cloud, in particular uh, Azure, but there's many clouds. There's Amazon, there's Amazon Web Services, there's IBM now, <laughs> there's Google Cloud, that's one of my mm-hmm. favorites. And what I primarily do is I help people move from the cloud, whether they're developers or business people uh, or even external consultants, we help them move to the cloud. And so take, take, for example, your databases, database, add the cloud to it. So <laughs> moving your database to the cloud, uh, moving your website to the cloud, moving your Docker containers to the cloud, mm-hmm. uh, anything, your SharePoint website to the cloud, your machines, on-premise machines, right, to the cloud, virtual machines. So that's probably what I do. I was also a mobile developer uh, back in the day, and uh, I'm still a mobile developer. I still like to do mobile development. But uh, yeah, that's me. For, that's me. You mentioned something that's a huge thing right now, and that's uh, moving to the cloud. A lot of people are moving to the cloud. I'll tell the story, and I was thinking about it last night before just about this meeting. Uh, I was in grade 10, sorry, grade, yeah. I was in grade 10, and that was the first time I was in an in IT class, and my teacher spoke about cloud computing. So I was interested. I was like, what does it mean? So I was really paying attention. And back then it was not a big thing. Many cloud was still a concept for the most part. And I, I learned, it was an interesting class. It was a great topic. I was like, well, this is super cool. This is wonderful. So class went on and you know we talked about other things. And a year later, I was walking into, I walked into the IT lab and just, I think I was doing, I was trying to get something done or pick something up. And as I walked in, that same teacher was teaching a, the grade 10 class, right? And he stopped me. He's like, hey, Peter. So the whole class turned and looked at me. He's like, uh, what, what, what is it called when you have 
uh, a bunch of data information moved to be stored in a different location that's not where the infrastructure is. What would you call something like that? And I was just frozen in front of the class. That's not exactly how he worded the question. This was a long time ago, but the point is he asked me uh, a definition and I looked at the class and I was frozen for a second because everyone was looking at me like, okay, so Peter, what is it? <laughs> so I looked at him and looked at the class and the first thing that came out of my mouth was cloud computing. He's like, perfect, I love it, good work. And then just continue teaching the class. And I just went to do my thing and I left the class. I did feel good because I got the answer correct and pretty quickly too. But it's so incredible how I am, you and I are now living in that concept that we talked about. And people are literally moving, like they're moving from their house to another house, so to speak. So it's good to hear from you and know that um, that's something that you do. Is there anything else you wanted to add in terms of who you are before we move on? Well, the funny thing is that um, computing, right? So when you mentioned computing and moving data to cloud, I just instantly thought iCloud. <laughs> well, it was like the perfect answer, cloud computing. Um, but uh, I also, the thing about it is comp cloud computing is also a form of computing. So we have to also go back to basics, right? What is computing? Computing is essentially uh, using what's it called algorithms uh, or basically tools to make to have an end goal, right? So I actually did computing at university, uh, University of Guelph. And so that's actually one of the only universities that does computing <laughs> in Canada. But, uh, and so essentially computing is making, getting to the endpoints. So we're talking about uh, algorithms, uh, uh, what else? Anything, tools, cron jobs, et cetera. So that essentially is computing and cloud computing is just, using those tools, those, that knowledge, right, to the cloud. Thank you, exactly. Totally agree with you. Uh, I didn't realize that computing was, so what did you study? Computing. So essentially I did call, I went to, well, back then I was a nutrition for maybe a couple of months and then I went to software engineering for at college and then I transferred my credits to computing. And computing is essentially just algorithms. <laughs> Just algorithms, get that logarithm, get the logs, the logarithm, the n, n, n complexity, everything, and we and we add the cloud computing to it. Essentially, that except it's in the cloud, but mm -hmm. with much more ease and use case. Awesome. That actually, since we're talking about Guelph in, in college, um, what is the tech world like in Canada? So the tech world like in Canada is actually pretty. Good. I, I would actually give like a eight out of ten, and the reason is because um, okay, don't quote me on this, but in terms of st st statistics, right, developers like to go to Stack Overflow survey, which happens every single year, so 2020, 2021, 2022, etc. Right, and I just like to follow that stuff. So the U.S. had, for example, seventy four percent of them were uh, in terms of employed, seventy four percent were employed, um, in that major tech, right. Students, students about for students around 11 percent. 11% of students were employed in the US. But even when you go to Canada, um 64%, 64% of them were employed, uh like professionals, professionals, but students were actually 15%. So there's actually there are actually more students uh employed than there are in the United States who are students. So in terms of 
tech is definitely growing. Um, we're actually seeing we're actually we're actually seeing much more uh, people get into the game. Uh, we also have a lot of talent. So there was like a little chart back in the day. I don't know if you've seen it, but it had like a chart of like where the tech talent is, right? And obviously, tech talent is so subjective because there's so many fields in tech. There's web, there's infrastructure, there's database, all that. But talent is it's subjective. But they actually put Toronto and New York kind of the same, kind of like the same uh, bar, and that just shows like you know the talent is there. But one of the problems is that. Uh, you know how compared to other countries such as the United States, right? We have less funding, um, there's less investments and Canada is more so based on agriculture. Guelph is a farm school, <laughs> just point that out there. So I went to computing for uh, a farm school. <laughs> but uh, uh, Canada is much more uh, agricultural, real estate, uh, forestry, all that stuff, right? And also, it's also less, less capitalistic, um, so, and tech is very driven. So it's, it's so in terms of investments, it's definitely lower for Toronto. We're, we're starting to see much more, uh, much more people get into tech, especially young Canadians. One of the downsides I've noticed is that we're actually losing much more talent. So they're actually going down south to California, to New York, to uh, in Texas, et cetera. But the talent is there. Uh, the people are the people are interested, and they're not stopping. Yeah, the, the, that actually, I'm gonna segue into that. I don't know if you saw, but the last episode I released uh, on YouTube, like yesterday, was about challenges and in diversity. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, do you? Yeah, with Carlson, and um, he was kind of explaining how it's it's true. You know, certain it might be harder, and that's why companies actually have programs mm-hmm. that to voice, to bring the voice of minorities to tech, whether it's women or African-Americans or um, or any other minority into technology, because it's really easy for people to be biased. You know, um, they see you, they might not think you're in tech. They might just think, oh, he's probably in business or maybe he's a lawyer yes. or maybe he's a, in sports, you know, and not think that you have such a, a strong background in tech. And so for you, what challenges do you think you faced? Maybe you haven't, and not everyone has. But what challenges do you think you faced in the as an African American? Well, you're in, you're in Canada, so just as a black male in Canada, how has that been for you in this industry? Well, I mean, luckily, luckily for me, there there wasn't really that. There's, I mean, obviously, Canada has a bit of reasons, but it's it in tech is a bit different. Um, it's either like you know, can you do the job? <laughs> can you actually do the job? Do you actually know JavaScript, HTML, CSS? So. The challenge for me is that okay, everybody has to be able to get a junior position somehow, some way, right? And and getting a junior position is so hard because you apply, and there's like 100 people. Uh, I went, I tried, I went to co-op first, right? I, I tried to get to co-op. I wasn't able to land co-op, even though, even though I, I knew so much, <laughs> I was finishing so fast in my exams, my coding exams, right? Mm-hmm. I like programming exams, but I was finished, but the thing is. Like I was not getting those calls. So the biggest challenge I had is getting that first job. And I'm pretty sure, I think Samuel also mentioned that getting that first job was really, really uh, challenging and you have to really put yourself out there. So you have to, you have, what you have to do is you have to deal with the fact, you have to understand that you don't have enough, you don't have 
if you don't have experience. Um, there are people who are in college, university, or have, or who are from abroad that you know that bring a that bring experience, and only HR people care about experience. Whereas you don't have experience, but you have the projects. Hopefully, that's the point. Hopefully, so you have to find a way to kind of maneuver around the system and show people that hey, you know, I may not have I know I may not have the experience on paper. I'm definitely better than the guy that's coming right after me or before. You are listening to the V-City Podcast. Here we have conversations surrounding technology. I listen to people who are in the tech industry and hear their story, their ups and downs, what makes them excited and what they have learned. You'll also hear stories from people who are not in tech. The goal is to broaden your perspective and see from different lenses. You just talked about landing your first job. Mm-hmm. Let's explore that a little bit, if it's okay with you. How did you manage to land that first job, that first interview? What did you do to, to get there? Okay. So like a side note is I've also been doing a lot of projects. Uh, my GitHub, I know some people don't know what GitHub is, but GitHub is, just, is a place where you just put your projects and you see the contributions. So you can see hundred contributions, 100 contributions, tons of contributions, all that stuff. There's just numbers, but it kind of shows that, you know, you've been building projects. And so by the time I landed that first job, I think I had around 20 projects, 20 projects with no, with no goal whatsoever. That was one of the problems. So I, my first job is I, I was maybe in my third, third year college, because then I was, I was going to transfer to university to my bachelor's. Um, and then I went to an entrepreneurship conference and this lady, she said she needed a website. And I, I mean, she didn't need a website, but I overheard her and overheard her, you know, saying, you know, Hey, I am strong in clients, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and I need some help. And so I was like, Hey, do you need a website? <laughs> and I also dressed, I was also dressed really well. Hey, do you need a website? And and she said, yeah, I actually do need a website. And so I went to her and I she invited me to her place. Um, she fed me food. I didn't get paid, but that's the thing. You, sh- you shouldn't focus on getting paid at that point. Focus on kind of that first experience. So I sat with her. She went through requirements. Um, I, talked to, I talked to her about the, the options, uh, web hosting, uh, what does she want to do with the website? And we just we just end up with WordPress. I mean, most tech people would be like, okay, I want to I want to I want to I want to make sure that you know I have some some React in there, some HTML in there, some TypeScript in there. You want to make sure, but the thing is, that's not what the client wants. That's not what the client actually needs, right? You want to get you don't want to. It's a bit selfish, right? So you want to do something that that the client can manage, and the client can manage WordPress. And, it, and but they can't manage code. <laughs> so that's how I got my first uh, job. I went to a conference, a commercial conference. I overheard her and I said, hey, do you need a website? And she paid me with uh, a, a Tim Hortons gift card. It was a $25 gift card after four months <laughs> of the four months. But that, that, really was, that really was the start. So you just have to find a way, it can be your friends, um, it can be your uh, your barbershop. I eventually had to wait for a barbershop. 
but that was like a side thing. It could be your 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 dad, anything, just anything. Just get just get something, the first one, at least four months. And then you'd be okay. <laughs> Once you get the Tim Hortons gift card, you're good. You're set. <laughs> I still haven't used it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> After three, three years, I still haven't used it. Um, but yeah, you've come really far, right? And mm-hmm. interesting that that thing you've said was so critical because I've had a couple of clients as well that I had to program websites for. And honestly, I my GitHub, I was trying to you know really be on GitHub in college, but then after college, I just kind of like let it go. So I, I made a new one last night actually, um, and I'm just gonna like start putting all my projects there, including this podcast and. Um, some of the websites that I've built with WordPress because the client can manage it. They can actually, you know, manage this thing. And even recently I was working with someone to build a website and I'm just like, we could really just use Python to build this website or Java or something. Like we could do it ourselves, but you won't be able to work on this unless you call me back personally, unless I really make it very organized. Um, and yeah, you're right. Listen to what the client wants. And that, that's a huge part of, project management on its own so thanks for explaining that uh, you just i think uh, from what i understand is making sure you have good experience and it doesn't matter whether you're getting paid or not not just that i wanted to add that like the giving the customer so we talked about you know getting experience right and choosing wordpress as opposed to css react that's just like the tool right but you also want to make sure that in your resume i'm not, not talking about resume right now but that you're doing it to help the client, right? And by helping the client, you can, you can kind of capitalize on the fact that, hey, I sat, I sat with a client, I sat with a client, and I chose the best tool for a job. And that's what they care most about, choosing the best tool for a job. And eventually, you also get references. So you'll go on your LinkedIn, and then he'll put the, she'll put the, Jason, Jason did X, Y, Z really well. And then they may call, they may call uh, her and say, hey, you know, he did a great job, et cetera. So it's not just about the, the technology. It's also about what happens. Like, how did you, like, what, what was the result? And the result was that, hey, the client was able to, the client was able to get search engine optimization um, and was able to get X amount of clients and uh, was also able to manage them themselves, cutting X amount of cost. So it's all about the impact. It's also it's about the impact. The impact. Thank you. Yeah, impact is super important. I, I totally agree there. Um, that actually makes me wonder um, what got you into IT. You know, how did you uh, start this whole thing? How did you get here? Yeah. So what got me into IT was actually uh, so I guess it was actually entrepreneurship. Um, so the background is I was an electrician. I went sorry. I went to school for electrical. I didn't have the grades in university. Uh, I think after grade 12, I just stopped caring. I did summer school for maybe four years. I wasn't able to, and then after grade 12, I just quit because I was like, there's nothing for me. And then I went to electrical. And I, I there was this course called what? There was this course called electronics. And if you know, like electronics has a lot to do with computer science because there's or gates, or means like, you know, if this or, or and, right? do this and, or do this if and or, right? So it was kind of like those logic things. And I and by looking at that, I was like, okay, you know what? 
let me keep it in my let me keep it in my mind because it, it's pretty cool. I might do electronics one day, but then that wasn't the case. So I went to I went to attrition. I was a, I was doing electrical, and then I quit after six months because I was complaining. And then I went into creating my own website, which is entrepreneurship. Like I was what I was doing. Sorry, Peter. I was taking YouTube videos, prank videos, <laughs> and putting it into my website. <laughs> so that was it. And uh, after that, uh, my dad was like, "Hey, you know, why don't you go do? Why don't you go to software engineering?" And I was like, "Huh." you know i didn't know there was a field but i'll do it <laughs> and i just did not stop so i also did summer school so i i no breaks no breaks three years it's supposed to be three years within two years and a half uh because you know some courses are not available in the some courses are not available in summer school so no breaks so that's really how i got to software engineering i just i i from life experience from courses you know as long as you keep moving forward you're good right you keep moving forward and then you want to solve a problem right entrepreneurship is solving a problem and that problem just had to produce that problem just happened to be technology so and software engineering was just the right path because the you only know so much until somebody teaches you or you can go ahead and read a book but then you need to have a lot of discipline for that can you do it that's I, I didn't actually expect that story. So you were able to really transition in three years um, because you were just super focused and disciplined about it. So congratulations. And uh, I'm glad that you're here. You made it. Uh, and and sometimes, yeah, life does happen and we think that it's over and we don't realize that we're just at the next. We're just at the one stop where we're, we're just at this spot where we're about to, to have a breakthrough. Uh, yeah, for me too, similar. I, I remember in college, I had, um, there was a point where I was just like, I don't think I can do this anymore, um, especially because I really had the entrepreneurial mindset and I still do, um, just doing my own thing, making my own websites, uh, doing my own personal projects. I learned more from that. But eventually I was like, yeah, I need to, I need to wrap this up. So I was just like, you know, full force. And I even left YouTube for a long time and just focused in school, graduated and started getting into the workforce. So I think maybe that's something a lot of software engineers can relate to, but thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. So, you know, we were talking and, and, and I was just looking, we were just having that conversation and I wanted to find out from you, what does DevOps mean to you? So DevOps, is like, DevOps is like a general, general word, like DevOps can mean anything, but we have to go back to the basics. So DevOps, we have development, which is the dev, ops operation this is simple as 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 you can get now let's go to let's take it up a notch right so development what is development development is pushing new changes every single time so let's say i'm a python let's say i'm a web developer right i'm pushing a feature i'm pushing a chat right chat part okay i'm pushing a uh uh, block, right, to be able to block a user. I'm pushing a new page, right? And, and I'm pushing so many things every single day. And then let's say you're five of you, five of you, five of you are pushing different modules or different libraries or different parts of the website every single day on Git. You just get push and then bam, right there. And then you want to go to production. Now the natural, back in, back in the day, it was like, okay, well, 
you're just pushing, you're just pushing to the websites and you're done and something may break. But now we also have operations. So operations was known for big companies uh, and operations meant to be keeping things stable. So operations doesn't really like change, they hate change so much. Uh, if you make a change, it, it's almost like you have to go through a process like, hey, no, hey, uh, no, 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 we, we have to have, we, we don't want change. We have to make sure that uh, this website, this, this website URL is fine. Uh, we made sure this was working last week. I'm pretty sure you heard this before. Working last week, but not working again, right? So operations hate change. For the ultimate development need features, right? They're really feature heavy. So what do we do, right? What do we do? We have DevOps. So DevOps is essentially when you have development and operations working together um, with no complaints. <laughs> that's, that's as simple as it could get. And, and what happens, the, the flow, there are many flows, but a common flow is, okay, there'll be a developer that pushes a new change, and then they'll have scripts, right? That'll test that those changes, that test that doesn't make any previous changes. Um, and then, and then it'll and then it'll go to production, and then not production. It'll go to like a staging environment. So we'll go into like a okay, uh, like a place, like a it's like a second step. See, some people like to have three steps, like a development, queue, development, staging, uh, sorry, development, pre-staging, and then staging again, <laughs> and then production. <laughs> And some people like to have just development, staging, and then production. So, but definitely there will be a staging and staging in there. And this is where the test will be done. This is where the uh, quality assurance will be done. Uh, this is where we'll make sure that everything is stable. Everything is stable. So this is DevOps in a nutshell. And I'd like to give like a good example of why it's important. I was also, I was a mobile developer before I was infrastructure software, infrastructure software engineer. And uh, we actually didn't have a DevOps person. I was actually close, I was the closest to DevOps, <laughs> close to DevOps, and even that wasn't enough. And what we do is we push features every single, but well, we try to push every single day because the CEO really want a feature. As a startup, we're 11, we're 11 people, um, so we have to move fast and quick, right? But we push a change and we break something else. So a quick example is we pushed a uh, something called passes, like a movie pass, right? And then it will break the purchase, right? Because you have to be able to purchase. We have being able to purchase subscriptions, that's, that's the passes, and being able to purchase a consumable, which, which is like... Uh, a one-off ticket, right? So we push the change, but it broke. Okay, that's one of the biggest problems. There's no testing, there's no DevOps, um, there's no operations part, there's no development. So this is why it's so important to have DevOps in place in your organization. And even if you work alone, it's important to have it. Thank you for explaining that. And I wanted to point out that people don't realize how difficult it is to to have the features they get on Snapchat or Instagram and how, how much testing and implementation 
um, maybe like using the agile you know framework to to work through these things and make sure you have product developers or product managers or product uh, or project managers running through these things and they just wake up one morning and snapchat has a new feature or twitter has a new thing and they maybe they complain about it and they don't even realize that they're feeding into the testing um and sometimes you're like oh i wish my phone could do this that's what people are that's why we need devops you know <laughs> that's why we need people to do these things so that we don't break something else you like to give you something you want <laughs> so well explained thank you so much i appreciate that uh you even gave the example which was the next thing i wanted to bring up but uh, i want to find out from you how would you explain docker like containers or Jenkins, like, well, what, how, how have you been, how have you in, interacted with these, with these things, with these APKs and things like that? APKs. So, okay, I was trying to, when we talk about the DevOps part, I was trying to avoid that subject a little bit, but remember when I said staging? Yes. And production. So Docker, that comes into play. Docker is essentially an image. Um, sorry, it's an image with containers and containers are essentially environments. So just think about having your website, right? You have your website, right? You have your website in production. What you want to do is you want to make sure that that same website is that same environment is the same in development, sorry, in staging. And so that when you're going to, when you're going against those test, test, right? You're not actually testing against production. You're testing into the exact same environment as the production, which is using Docker. Like a sandbox? Um, exactly, like a sandbox. Exactly. That's the correct word, sandbox. We can even go into development because, well, okay, well, you only mentioned you only mentioned uh, Docker for environments, right? Uh, like going from test, going from staging into production. But what about developers, right? Now, developers should also use Docker when they can. And we could talk about this, like, for example, let's say you have a developer, three developers. Um, one developer is a tech lead. The other developers are, um, one's a junior, one's intermediate, right? And they all have different laptops. One has a uh, Linux computer. One has Windows computer. One has a Mac computer. And obviously, sometimes it's different. Some translations are different. Uh, and so Docker comes to play because you can only you don't have to do it for the website particularly, but you can also do it for your own environment. So this is where it comes in because let's say you're developing something on your MacBook, right? And your tech lead has a Linux computer. Well, you you can have the exact same environment as a tech lead that you do on your MacBook by using Docker. And it's only it's as simple as just running a couple lines, like uh, Docker run, just Docker run, and then by just running, you're literally in the same environment as your tech lead. So there is no there is no difference saying okay, well it worked on my computer, but it doesn't work on your computer. No, if it didn't work on his computer, it's not going to work on your computer, vice versa. So that's the image of Docker, because you can you can mimic environments very easily. And, but the one, one thing I like to add is that Docker, although it's good, um, they're actually, although it's good for maybe web development and databases and all that stuff, in terms of mobile, there's actually a limitation 
um, you can't actually mimic a Docker environment for your um, only for iOS applications. If you're if you're so if you're an iOS developer um, and you're trying to mimic the environment of your tech lead, for example, it's not going to work. Docker has limitations, so that's the only part I've noticed. But everything else, Docker's perfect. Docker's perfect. So would you say Docker is some type of a virtual machine on your machine? Close. It's almost like a you only you only get what you ask for. So you don't get you don't get the cron job if you don't need it. You don't get the uh the false systems. It's lightweight. So you can say virtual you can say a baby virtual machine with I'm so happy you said that lightweight. That I think that is the selling selling point for Docker, the lightweight. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, actually, something crossed my mind. Uh, what was that? Uh, I feel like it's leaving my my mind. Um, anyway, it's okay. I personally don't know what Jenkins is. I knew what Docker was, but I don't know what Jenkins is. Do you know? And how would you explain it to me or to a five year old? Okay. So Docker, okay, I talked about Docker, right? Mimicking the environment. Uh, now Jenkins. Jenkins is almost like the place where you want to automate stuff. So I'll give you an example of Docker and, and uh, Jenkins together. Docker, uh, we built the image, right? And then we create the container, right? And then Jenkins, we, we, use, we use code to run that container multiple times, multiple times. That's an example of using it together, but you don't have to use Docker every single time with Jenkins. You can literally just use, you can use Jenkins compare against your code base. So you can run a couple commands and uh, run tests. And Jenkins is pretty cool. It'll be like, it'll be like, okay, sunlight. I'll give you like, okay, if it passed or it failed. And Jenkins is really smart. It will tell you if it failed. And it'll be like, okay, sunlight, like a, like a, like a sun. If, it, if your if your pipeline if your pipeline was successful, it'll give you a cloud. If your pipeline was was like uh, not successful, I'll give you a red. If it look if it, if it look never never successful, <laughs> so Jenkins is really cool, and you can also you can also configure it so that it runs at X amount of time. If you if you want if you want to if you want to run at uh, and cloud o'clock in the morning every single morning, Jenkins can do that for you. Jenkins also able to pull things. You can be able to uh, pull Ruby code, right? Make sure, making sure that your code runs with Ruby. So, and it's also like an alternative, right? So if you don't want to use Docker, you can use your Ruby. I mean, if you don't, if you don't want to use Docker, you can, you can, it's like going to the little app store and then downloading something. And then after downloading something, uh, now your code can run with it. And then you can do whatever you want with it. So Jenkins is really good. It's really powerful at automating automating uh, processes, and even 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 what's it called? Working with business people, for example, people want to send emails after a Jenkins job. Very doable. Okay, so I think I understand now. Um, Jenkins can definitely be used in DevOps, right? Mostly in DevOps um, for for automating tasks and making sure things are smooth and no one's complaining. That's 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 the nutshell, correct? Yeah, I'll even I'll even go a bit lower, right? Much higher. Um, Jenkins, in terms of chocolate, so let's, talk, talk, let's talk about chocolate, right? Did you say so chocolate? Have, I'll use yeah, I'll use chocolate as an example. 
Okay. <laughs> we have we have the we have we have chocolate, right? And your chocolate comes with your chocolate has certain quality to be quality assurance, right? Has to be certain, certain quality. Like it has to be eighty percent chocolate. Sorry, eighty percent dark chocolate, twenty uh, percent milk chocolate. I don't know if that makes sense. Okay. But uh, Jenkins can be like, okay, well, if it didn't make, if it didn't pass that, just fail. So it's almost like it's almost like a way to make sure that you know everything's a okay. Oh, I see. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that way everyone who get buys that chocolate tastes the exact same thing, and we all you know, like it, so to speak, and it's consistent across the board. And it's approved by the FDA. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I actually have a question for you that excites me a little because I enjoy seeing people in their elements. What part of technology are you most passionate about? Like what, what gets you uh, going, so to speak? Because for me personally, anything that has to do with storytelling. So when technology has a soul, when there's a story behind it, there's a purpose behind it. It's not just technology for technology's sake. There's a story there. Um, there's an arc. I, I enjoy kind of merging these two worlds. So I can go on and on about how technology and storytelling can go together uh, or digital media. But for you, how does, where, what, where, what part of all this really just makes you excited to wake up in the morning and work on this? I guess for me, it's some of the problems. Um, you want in this field, you want to want to solve problems, and using the using technology to solve that problem is amazing because technology, in a sense, is almost like a life hack to a human being. Because, uh, for example, the phone, right? You can do so much with this phone, but uh, if you didn't want to solve a problem, uh, you wouldn't be able to use. You wouldn't be able to build that phone. So, to me, technology is everything that's new. And that has a purpose. So we can talk about Golang, for example. Golang is a hybrid between C and like a high level between. Uh, Wait, did you say Golang? Like like the language Go? Yeah, the language Go. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought you said bowling for a second. I was like, I don't know bowling <laughs> as a language. <laughs> but go ahead. But Golang is kind of like. Golang is kind of like a hybrid between C and like a high level language, but it's not really as sophisticated, but it solves a problem. And the problem is that it solves a problem with networking, solves a problem with latency, and also solves a problem with code being clean to read, right? For developers. Actually, fun fact um, Docker is made out of Golang because of its use. So you think that, okay, well, they're using, they'd be using C as something lower. Well, no, they're actually using Golang. So Golang solves a problem. And that makes me passionate. Then we can talk about web, WebGL. WebGL is a problem. And that makes me passionate because it's like a different, a different, different world of web development, right? Much more animated, much more elevated. So that's also a problem. And that makes me really get going. That's why I don't like to stop, which is not good because in technology, we have a problem, right? We have a problem with like, uh, your back is always hurting maybe. Uh, <laughs> problem with uh, always being on the go, right? Never really stopping. Um, so, so in terms of what makes me get up every single day, it's really, so, it's really knowing that the technology is there and that you can literally build anything as long as you put your mind um, and you put your time into it. 
Yeah, um, I was about to add that time. Time is such a, a huge, like more and more I see every day as I grow that time is so valuable, which is why any time I take, someone takes the time of their day, like you um, to speak with me and spend time to just talk, I'm, I'm really grateful. And from the bottom of my heart, because I know how, even if you go to sleep, that's mm-hmm. your time. You're using your time for your own purposes. So for someone else to use that time or for you to give it away freely, that's a, that's a blessing. It's a gift. And I think some people don't realize that until much later. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes, technology solves things. And I think one thing that is maybe is common amongst a lot of developers or software engineers or IT people in general uh, is we like to solve problems. You know, we see a problem. How can I solve this? And I'm going to put everything I in me to solve this problem. Little story here. Uh, when I used to live in the States before I got here, this was a long time ago, um, I was living, I was, I watched this cartoon and that lit a fire inside of me somehow. Like I was already excited about technology and computers. I was always touching all the computers at home and playing with our cable and you know how Parents are like, oh, you got to be an engineer because you fixed the TV or something. It's like, I just put things inside. <laughs> but um, I watched this cartoon. You may know it. Uh, it's called Meet the Robinsons. Heard of it. <laughs> yeah, the kid had, like, he was just driven to solve things. And, of course, there was a story there, right? This is, like... That's one thing people don't understand that there's a psychology within all of us. There's a psyche in us. This is something that we strive for where there's this hero in our minds and people, when you see people, people are more than just 2d. And when you understand that people have a story behind them and they're fighting a storm, whatever it is, you might not know it. They become different to you. You approach them differently. And when we look at people that way, the consumers, and we create technology for those people, to help them navigate through that storm, then we are really doing humanity a service. And that's how I feel. Uh, That's what I believe. But thank you so much. I have one last thing I would like for us to talk about, which is for anyone who wants to get started in infrastructure engineering, you know, or software, you, you wear a lot of hats. You, I mean, we've talked about DevOps and IT and, you know, you could probably be a systems admin and uh, an operations manager and a tech lead for, you know, a product, a product being developed. Like you could do a lot of things right now. What would you say to anyone getting started and wanting to be like you, Jason? Oh, like me? <laughs> I just say, I just say, be yourself, um, but have a good reason for what you would do, for what you do, why you do it. Right. You want to have a purpose. You don't want to just go in, in aimlessly. And why, why I say this? Because it's very easy to be driven by external factors such as um, fame, uh, what's it called, uh, pats on the head, and even uh, monetary gains. But it's, it, the thing is, those are very shallow. Right. I want you to be much more driven by wanting to solve a problem and having a goal in mind. So, for example, if you want to build a game, right, you should read up everything you want on that. You should read up everything you want on games, right? Uh, if you want to build a uh, database, well, sorry, not if you want to use a database because you need a whole team for database, um, then you should learn anything you can about that and just keep going forward. So I'd say in a nutshell summary, just make sure you have a goal and make sure to stick to that goal. Because if you drift away, then you may end up somewhere where you don't wanna be. 
Thank you. Yeah. Having a goal, having your why, um, what makes you excited. And sometimes I think looking back to when you were younger is a good way to, because at that point you're pure, so to speak, like you're not inundated or, or, or pressured by family or friends, or even like you said, fame, you're just a kid who wants to do things. And a lot of times that might be a good place to start, but thank you, Jason, for your time today. I've learned a lot. And that's one of the reasons I enjoy doing this. I enjoy learning from other people, hearing them talk about things when they're in their elements. And I've just, I feel like I've been so blessed and to hear all the things you have to talk about. And I know you have so much more you can talk about. And if it's okay with you at some point, I'd love to have you back. We can have a demo or something similar to this uh, where we talk about a little bit more regarding technology. Um, finally, thank you as well for, uh, showing that it's not just it's not just about where you begin it's also about where you you end it's you know did you want to say something about that it's not where you begin it's also where you want to go right yes so you have a goal you you want to go somewhere and you're putting your mind to it it applies to everything it doesn't matter if it's tech doesn't matter if it's uh your business doesn't matter if it's your relationships doesn't matter as long as you have your goal or your why you're set thank you thank you so much and with that said thank you all for listening on the podcast um feel free to rate this podcast wherever you're listening it listening to it on it's basically everywhere at this point on google and apple and spotify everywhere um, and also feel free to check out our youtube channel which is v city as well and um where i'm going to put some of these conversations on there for people to learn from um, intelligent people like Jason and uh, feel free to comment let us know what you think and uh, reach out if you'd like to get some more information but thank you all for listening I appreciate you all thank you Jason for being here I really thank you for taking that time out you just listened to the v-city podcast consider rating this podcast as it helps us get seen by others Share this episode with someone and search V.City on YouTube to find video recordings and more.